We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back, Hornets fans, for another post-game edition of BuzzBeat. We are recording this about five, ten minutes after the Lakers game here in Vegas. Charlotte drops to 0-2. The Lakers have now beaten the Golden State Warriors in addition to the Hornets, and the final score was 93-75. to Obviously, the final score is, is never the end-all, be-all when it comes to Summer League, but there are still some concerning stuff that has been taking place in these games. I'm Richie. I'll be joined by Brian today, and this will be more of a, a mini-pod. Uh, we're going to try to keep this to 25, 30 minutes maximum, and we do have one question at the end of the podcast. I actually fielded some questions the other day on Twitter, probably got eight, nine, ten of them. I just, I just want to get one of them out of the way before I move on to the others, but Brian, how's it going? Doing pretty well. I'm better than the uh, the Hornets offense was today against the uh, the Summer League Lakers. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the turnovers were definitely an issue for Charlotte, and the Lakers did a good job of getting out in transition. It just felt like their transition O was better than Charlotte's transition D. It, it feels like Charlotte is going to have to win these games by just making shots, tough shots, because they aren't really creating a ton of good looks in the half court. It's, it's been very difficult to watch. I'm going to start with the positive, and that's going to be James Najee. I'll, I'll start with him. And mm-hmm. we, we mentioned him on the previous podcast, just flashes of good stuff from him, having a nose for the ball and the offensive rebound. He's good at those putbacks, drawing fouls. I thought, too, we talked about his mobility a lot, or at least you did on the previous podcast. And I think you see that a lot when it comes to the defensive coverages. He is very good at dropping but also being able to locate his man and others that are coming off the screen. He also is very good at locating his own man to find box out. I feel like a lot of times when players are trying to go for a rebound, they just go straight up and, and try to grab the ball. He does a good job of finding his man boxing out and having those, you know, that good awareness and instincts in terms of, of finding the ball. And he can flip his hips too. Like on the pick and rolls, I, there's a couple of clips that uh, I put out there where he sets one screen going one way, flips his flips his hips, uh, allows the ball handler to get downhill. And he had that amazing dunk on Castleton as well. And one thing I do want to highlight, which I don't believe I even put on Twitter, maybe I'll have to put a clip out later before I pass it over to you. Uh, there was this one play late in the game, maybe third quarter, fourth quarter, where the Lakers 
actually had like a two on one advantage kind of near the low block. I don't I don't know where the other player was, but he was able to defend both his man and the other guy and kind of keep the offense indecisive. I think when you when you've watched him play, you just see the intensity and the awareness and just it feels like he's always in the right spot. Yeah, I mean, for a guy who has such impressive impressive, you know, physical measurables, I think he's doing a lot of also really like fundamental uh like true center, true five stuff, right? Like you were talking about flipping the screens, uh hitting the offensive glass, diving to the rim, and then defensively like they've mostly used him in drop, but even going back to the game against San Antonio the other night, you know, coming up to the level a little bit higher occasionally. And with that length and with that positioning for a guy who is so, so young, I mean, they mentioned it during the broadcast today, still just 18 years old and he looks good playing in space. He had a, he had a couple really nice, I thought like one-on-one defensive, I would say sort of like mid post elbow area defensive possessions against Colin Castleton, who was you and I spoke about maybe a week or two ago, Richie, and who had a really good game today. But but I thought Najee was able to at least do look okay against him one on one in space. So yeah, no, very impressive effort once again from from James Najee. And I do want to bring this up. Um, this was something that was brought to my attention actually during the game today. And I assume there were a fair amount of people, including yourself and, and those listening, that were maybe already aware of this. As far as Najee's contract goes with FC Barcelona, last September, so about 10 months ago, he agreed to a new contract with FC Barcelona that is signed through the 2027 season. And as a friend of the show um, and, and really one of the best resources in terms of like Hornets cap analysis that's out there along with uh, you, Richie, and, and certainly Spencer too, um, but at Twitter, at M-C-L-E-Y mentioned that the buyout, if the Hornets were actually trying to bring Najee over, is $825,000 for this season. The Hornets could pay more, as he notes, in the form of a signing bonus, but he cannot, uh, it cannot be like on a, on a two-way uh, contract. So there's just some important notes. I appreciated McLee, if I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, but him putting that out on, on Twitter earlier today, it's some good information and yeah, Najee, I thought was uh, a, a, once again a bright spot by just doing like the stuff that you would want from a screen dive defensive center. Like again, moving his feet, looking comfortable in space and drop coverage, hitting the offensive glass, and and sort of like being, I think, having good attention to detail when it comes to setting those screens and looking to get downhill into his dives. And we've seen a couple of times now. I don't know if he's. I think he was last game. He got fouled on, but. He's had a couple like monster putback dunk attempts, yep. I would say, um, which again is 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 a nice piece. So the Hornets have, if you know, factoring in Najee, have some really uh, promising young players, um, you know, in the in the center room uh, going forward, along with certainly with Mark Williams and uh, you know Nick Richards as well. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it sounds like, based off of what you just mentioned there, he's either going to be playing in Barcelona or he's going to be on the like the big league roster. Is what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. So, and it's it's interesting because you know one player that it feels like he's just almost not wouldn't say replacing, but he's definitely playing better than is Kai Jones. Like Kai Jones, to me, like you know, yeah. I, I just don't know how much hope you have left in this guy. He just looks lost out there at times. He did make a three late in the game, but that was actually after he totally broken play. Broken play like, he yeah. lost his own handle. Um, so yeah. that was not necessarily drawn up for him by any means. And one thing that I noticed during the game, like I feel like his specialty is setting screens and diving hard to the basket. And it feels like he was used a lot, whether it was by design or whether it was by like his choice. You know, the Hornets do play five out. Like you see that a lot in summer league, yeah. but he's being used as this like dribble handoff hub. And it just clogs up the lane. Like Castleton just sits back at the free throw line and yeah. there's no room in the middle of the court because they don't respect him as a three point shooter. And I just wish that he would set screens at the top of the key and roll hard. And I, again, I, I don't know if it's by design or if it's just his doing and, and not making that decision. So that, that was just something that I noticed with Kai. Yeah. If you're going to try to use them effectively, you, you need to put him in spots that work to his strengths. I feel like last season in summer league, they try to play him at the four. They tried to, to use him in many different areas. And maybe there's a pathway for him to get more minutes at the four than there is the five. But at this point, like he, he's just not making a good name for himself by playing this way. And it just feels like he's not playing to his strengths. Yeah. I mean, he was, he been, he played 27 minutes in this game and I, I don't, I mean, he was kind of, uh, I mean, outside of sort of some of the initiation stuff you were talking about and, and maybe some work on the offensive glass, like he was sort of uh, kind of missing offensively today. And I did think this game, a couple of sort of just like important, I think, notes. I think this was the game just sort of by my own, you know, I don't actually have like the, 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 the possession numbers, but just sort of by my own loose, you know, charting. I think this was the most they've gone to like five out in yeah. any of the summer league games. Now going back to the, also the two games in Sacramento, the Lakers also played a decent amount of zone in this game too. And on top of that, you also saw, I actually thought this was one of the, maybe the best possession Kai had offensively. I think they, he ran pick and roll with, it was either Nick Smith jr. Or Brandon Miller, but the Lakers blitzed 
and Kai caught it on the short roll. I think he kicked it out one way. The ball got swung to the other side, and Bryce McGowan said like a pump and go dunk, um, which was that. Uh, that's like you know that's the Kai's had a couple of nice passes that I do think like a couple of years ago would have been pretty tough for him to have made, but I, I think he's made a couple of nice reads. I, by no means do I think like the sort of like pockets of space playmaking are like a strength of Kai. If anything, you know the processing is still pretty rough, but I, I think he's shown some small bits of development there you'd love for when if teams of a guy like Castleton who's very very comfortable in the drop you know going back to his college days at Florida like you'd love for the Hornets to be able to take take advantage of that space with those five out handoff actions but just like it wasn't there and in, in all all in all like this was a, a brutal you know offensive game the Hornets score 75 points on 81 shots they shoot 25% on three, under 31% uh, from the field. They assisted on 12 of their 25 field goal attempts, so under 50% assist rate. You know, just a pretty brutal uh, offensive performance that was bailed out, I guess, by somewhat by free throws and uh, second chance, you know, scoring opportunities. But yeah, like, uh, you know, they're. I don't think they have sort of like the off ball or, you know, the guard and perimeter decision makers that are really ready to sort of um, really capitalize on some of those like Kai five out looks. I mean, hopefully some of them turn into it. Like they've got some, you know, high draft picks playing for them, Uh, you know, Miller and, you know, Smith and McGowan's and and book Knight, who was really bad again today. But I thought it was interesting too, because like, they started Miller at the three today, right? Like they brought McGowan's off the bench. They started Trey Scott as like the de facto four. He played pretty well today. <laughs> and then they moved Miller to the three. And then they were trying to like get these five out actions going and just, you know, you'd love for if teams couldn't, couldn't just drop and play center field on Kai. Like he's shown some ability to like fake handoffs and sort of like use his foot speed to like get downhill. And, but it's just like, if he can't, if Kai's not able to like, you know, put pressure, the pressure, the rim as a dive guy. If he can't really take advantage of his foot speed at, at the five, therefore like the offense is not clicking. Well, I mean, what else are you, you getting? I think he can give you some sort of like, I think he gives you like highlights in terms of like rim protection, but I don't think he's really like closing the rim off by, by any means. So it's just, he's in a tough spot development wise. He's an incredible athlete at six ten, six eleven, like, it, you know, it's it always makes you think like, wow, what could this guy be? But it's just it's hard to figure out the role uh, for him on on either side of the court. I think there's a pathway to it on offense, but it's just hard to figure it out given the personnel on the roster, both in terms of like the guards who could really help unlock him, and also just like the other centers that are ahead of him in terms of the priority with the organization. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned the five out because it, it feels like that's what I noticed a lot today as well. And first possession of the game, they went to it and like that, they tried it a fair amount. And I think, you know, with was it Miller going 0 of 7 from behind the arc? Like that's not going to yeah. help loosen up the five out looks and try to draw gravity out to the perimeter. And then, you know, five out sometimes you can get those backdoor looks. But again, Castleton was just sitting back and, and yeah. clogging up the lane. So you didn't have yeah. gravity in either direction. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, James Najee right now just looks more put together than Kai Jones. Kai Jones just, again, uh, struggles to be in the right position. 
And it's almost like he's thinking a little bit too hard at times. And, and Brandon Miller obviously struggled. A lot of people in the comments here on YouTube talking mm -hmm. about him being tired. Obviously, the Hornets were one of the few teams that played both in the California Classic and now playing in Vegas. So they've played a total of four games here uh, over the course of Summer League. Yeah, his shot was not falling tonight. It felt like he was uninvolved. The announcers kept saying he needs to be more aggressive, more aggressive, more aggressive. But I guess if you don't have your legs underneath you, it's it's tough to do that at times. One thing that I did note was his floater. We talked about that during the uh, film breakdown video that we did of Brandon Miller. And he, there was a couple of times where he came to a jump stop and hit like maybe two floaters, I believe. I, I think I counted for two. Uh, his first ever floater, he missed. But it's one of those things where we talk about if he doesn't have the burst to get up off the floor, if he doesn't have the separation to score at the rim, he's not the athlete uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, obviously Scoot is. He's going to have to find some ways to score in the in-between game. And I think the mid-range game and the floater game is something that he needs to tap into. Obviously, in high school, he showed the mid-range game a whole lot more. And if you're going to be a guy that is missing your three-point shot, and if they're going to run you off the line or if they're going to put the ball in your hands, he's going to need to find something in between. And right now, at the rim, from mid-range, it just seems to be a little bit of a, of a struggle for Miller. And it just it, it sucks because where he's going to unlock his best potential is by shooting the ball from deep. And when you go 0 of 7, everything else becomes a little bit more difficult for him. Yeah, I thought he, I thought his passing was okay today. Like if you want to focus on the some of the positives, you know, he had four assists. He had another sort of like scramble possession kick out to Bailey with his left hand where he he drove and kicked it to the corner. It was one of the again, it was during a scramble, but it was like it was a nice pass and it was like one of the few, very few moments of like rim pressure for Miller. Um you know, in this game, just he took 18 shots, only three of them in the restricted area, um, one of which was like, you know, a putback shot right at the you know the end of the game that he uh, he missed. I thought he was, you know, he's leaning on that floater, the runner a lot. Um, and you can understand why, because, you know, maybe maybe he is tired um, and certainly like he's, you know, he doesn't he's not a great rim pressure guy to begin with. Um, and so that's a that's a that's a counter to that to use his length and to try to use his shooting touch. Um, but this there was just no rim pressure from him in this game. And I even think some of those like some of the drives, whether it's in isolation or, or pick and roll or handoff or whatever, that sort of turn into some of these like short mid-range looks, whether he's you know step outside the step outside the lane or step inside the lane in that sort of floater zone area. They're they don't feel very fluid at the moment. Like I, I do think some of the I think guys are being physical with him. I think that's bothering him some. We even saw Golden State was putting two on the ball against him a lot. He, he made some nice passes out of those looks, but just it doesn't feel very fluid right now. It feels like a little bit robotic, and so who knows if he's uh, if it's a comfort thing, if it's a fatigue thing, if that's just a confidence thing because it's it's not going great right now, or maybe he's pressing a little bit because I don't think when Charlotte kind of gets into their flow for for lack of a better term because there's been almost no flow like it you know they're running some stuff to get him looks you know you are seeing them go to a lot of these like wide pin down actions or these staggered looks and then if if the jumper isn't there it then quickly flows into a, a pick and roll for him um and it's really simple like basic stuff but when they're just like playing out of the play it you know he can 
the ball doesn't always find a way back to him. You know, if Booknight or McGowan's or or, or Smith are trying to uh, to attack, so or, or Bailey for that matter. Although I think Bailey's sort of playing like pretty good heads up basketball. That was another like decent game for Amari. He Bailey. needs to play uh, more. I feel like. I mean, it's, it's, you know. he he and Najee both played pretty well today again, and Najee played 13 minutes and Bailey played 16 minutes. You know, uh, but Bailey a uh, couple steals, couple offensive rebounds. Like he's making plays in space. He makes plays in transition is just doing like nice connector stuff, but, but tough game for Miller. Again, I don't think the movement stuff is working for him um, for the most part, uh, whether they're like, again, to these staggered looks or these wide pin downs, try to curl him into the mid range to get it, to get a catch and shoot, like whatever it is. Um, just none of this stuff is, is really hitting it right now. He's leaning on the floater, but I just don't think it's there. And he just doesn't have the like rim pressure, uh, and foul drawing to sort of like lean on at the moment. And again, it's it's just four summer league games and the context is not great for him. But but now I, I just tweeted this out, like through these four summer league games, Miller is 16 of 48 from the field. So 33% and seven of 26 from deep, 27% uh, across these four, first four summer league games for uh, the number two pick. Regulator in the comment says, I bet Miller will sit out the next game against Portland. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Is, is Scoot, is he playing today? Like, I know he he messed up his. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I figured yeah. not. Yeah. And he yeah. also says Miller missed more shots than Book Knight. That's progress. I guess progress. <laughs> Book Knight, I guess. Yeah. Uh, those two guys combined were eight of 32 today uh, and two of 15 from. Uh, from deep, I mean, Nick Smith Jr. didn't exactly light it on fire either. He was three of ten from the floor. Uh, I thought I thought Smith had a couple like nice plays. He had a nice uh, skip pass kick out to for a McGowan's corner three like late in the first half. That was pretty nice. Um, but I, you know, I don't think Smith you know popped or anything like that. So other than Bailey and Najee, this was like not a great game um, for the the rookies or for Booknight. Yeah, for yeah. Guy, I thought you know? Booknight started strong uh there's a couple like no hesitation three-point shots that he made he had a relocation corner three early but he liked nick smith in terms of the shot selection you know it it just goes in waves like sometimes he will catch and shoot sometimes he will dribble it out take a step back three like there's this one play too with uh nick smith jr where they ran some spain action late for him the moment that he caught the ball at the top of the key i mean yes you have to turn and shoot that was his best opportunity, but he he decides to take the ball out, dribble the ball a little bit more, and then he takes a tougher step back shot, which again it kind of goes down to just the feel for the game and and knowing when to take the shot. A, a lot of players on the horn, it's not just Nick Smith and Book Knight. Like shot selection are just not good. I have another like for as far as Book Knight goes, and again, like I do think context matters for summer league. Like this is pretty rough right now, but. Does he ever in the half court like get into the gap? Like I'm sure he does. It's just right now it doesn't seem like something that happens frequently. And I don't know there was one possession in the first half today, and I'd, I'd have to like rewatch everything. But like the, the defense was tilted a little bit. He caught the ball on I think the left wing, and it was like again if that guy's you know playing with confidence and and you know feeling it, you know he can just you know, catching, not even need to like pump and go, just like catch and go and like get into the gap. I just, I never see him like getting downhill in the half court all that often. Um, So yeah, tough game. 
tough game for uh for for book night or really all of the you know most of the young guards on this roster like not a great showing um and yeah i i mean i just don't know like i i don't i don't know it's hard to figure like what book's role is going to be this season I mean, we don't even know how the Hornets, I guess, are going to, like, round out the, the backup point guard position. But, like, if they were even, like, kicking the can on, like, book night as the possibility for that, which, like, would be, I think, a pretty silly uh, hypothetical. Like, you know, I just don't think you're seeing anything in Summer League that would make you feel like this guy is, like, deserving of playing 20 minutes a night off the bench at whatever, like, guard position. Yeah, especially if Cody Martin's health is 100% at the start of the season. You just wonder how far down he's going to be pushed down that depth chart. All right, let's end on this. This is a question that was sent in at Hornets underscore trucker. Are you guys surprised JT Thor hasn't played in Summer League? And do you think Najee has shown enough to make the active roster or will he play overseas? We won't talk about the Najee part because we talked about him at the top, but... Yeah, I mean, I guess I was expecting him to be on the roster, but when I heard the news that JT Thor wasn't, I guess I wouldn't say he was shocked. I was shocked by that news with the way that he played at the end of the season. I think he solidified his standing with the team. We talked about his three-point shooting and and it being upped from pre-All-Star break to post-All-Star break. It went from 25% pre to 38% afterwards. He does have a non-guaranteed contract, and if I was a betting man, there's really little doubt in my mind that that final roster spot, not final roster spot, but he will be making the final roster and getting that contract guaranteed for the rest of the season. I think when you watch JT Thor, the defensive impact is pretty evident. Despite the lack of strength at times, he's a guy that is a good chaser. He follows players all over the court. He's going to be in the right position to contest shots with his length. And he has shown some ability to be a weak side blocker and rotator. I think offensively, maybe I wanted to see him play in summer league just because I wanted to see some improvement on that end, but maybe with the way that this summer league team is going and not having a initiator or a guy that can get the offense organized, maybe he would not have benefited from summer league. So I actually think this is a good sign that he didn't play. I think some people are thinking, Oh wow, he's a non guaranteed contract. He's not on the, summer league roster the hornets are through with him that that's that to me is like the opposite of what i think is happening totally agree yeah i mean if if they were still sort of like a, you know experimenting with him or whatever um and obviously i think he's got i think his development could go in a, in a lot of different ways but i think you're seeing like somewhat of a floor with him right as a guy that like can kind of shoot it enough to space it and can guard different positions and you know, gives you a long, you know, finisher in transition. They can get on the offensive glass and shows some off ball movement as a, as a cutter, like, et cetera. And, and the guy that like, there have been flashes, maybe fewer and far between, but like has some catch and go stuff he can do. Um, and once he gets stronger, it'll, you know, make him uh, with, with that length and with the, the shot fake that the comfort that he has doing that, you know, should be able to make him somewhat of a, a second side target for the Hornets. But yeah, no, I think like, I mean, look, they've played – it's probably important to note, like, Miller started at the three this game, but, like, he's played a lot at the four in summer league, right? And so I just think the priority was to get Miller, like, lots of minutes at the four, and if Thor is here, it's not like you can't play those two guys together in a, in a right. bunch of different ways. You know, it's pretty fluid. Um, uh, but, you know, with, with the three and the four, or the four or five, whatever. But, like – um, you know, I think the priority has been to get get Miller playing time, get Miller shots. And so, 
maybe that's part of the decision-making process here too. But yeah, no, like I, I think Thor is like set up right now um, to be coming into the regular season. I mean, like assuming PJ Washington's going to be back, uh, like, yeah, Thor is probably going to be the, the backup for this year. Right. At least like, I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see like with, with Bridges and, and Hayward and, you know, however Miller fits in. So maybe he's not like penciled in there yet, but my guess is that he'll have a chance to get some playing time and at least be like a fringe rotation yeah. guy and maybe play himself into the, you know, solidify a top eight or nine spot. But yeah, I mean, especially also like if they didn't bring PJ back for some stupid reason, then like Thor would become even more important. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I assume they're bringing PJ back and, and I do assume that like Thor is again, I think he's like as a third year guy has solidified himself in a way that Book Knight, Kai Jones haven't. And, and I do think like the the Brandon Miller component of wanting to get him going in summer league may have had like an impact on on this as well. Yeah, the Hornets do have a lot of threes and fours. So it's really hard to kind of gauge where JT Thor falls in this. Like he's probably anywhere from like the eight, nine, 10, 11th man on this roster, just because there's so many players at that position. And I guess it really depends on PJ, but I think if PJ's back, it obviously pushes him down the the chart a little bit. For sure. And one area I would like to see JT Thor be a little bit better at, but I'm not really sure if it really matters with this team is, is improvement with the ball in his hands. Like he's just a guy that, I haven't seen a lot when he comes to driving to the hoop, but with the way that this team plays and there's tons of players that, you know, are going to need the ball more than he does. You know, he's really just like a second side player that is trying to beat a, you know, a bent defense. And um, yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll we'll see how that develops with him. But Brian, I I enjoyed uh, doing this little mini pot here after the, Fourth loss here in Summer League. It's crazy that we're doing post-game pods after Summer League and not <laughs> a single win. So maybe we will stop doing these. I mean, this is just, I don't know, like, uh, this is just what the Hornets are like. They're always kind of a mess in Summer League. Yeah. And uh, certainly several shots of Mitch Kupchak, uh, who was on hand for this game. Um, but, yeah, I just the hope is that um, – Miller, you would like Miller to have like one big game yeah. at some point. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess he played pretty well the other night against uh, San Antonio, but it would be nice to for him to have a game where he really like kind of gets going uh, with his like you know with the jumper. I think especially, but it's been it's been it's been up and down and, and overall probably not great so far for the uh, the number two number two pick. All right, guys, we appreciate all the Hornets fans sticking with us, tuning in on Twitter Spaces, tuning in on Facebook. YouTube and Twitter video. We appreciate you guys joining us today. As always, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to us. And then as well, check out our buzzbeat.substack.com for information about our private podcast feed. So for Brian, I'm Richie. You guys take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.